Hi, this is Steve Kelly. Thanks for tuning in for the podcast of this week's Saturday Sports Talk program with Lauren Tate and myself. And a special thanks to the folks at Kirby Wealth Management Group for their sponsorship of the podcast. We hope you enjoy Saturday Sports Talk. When it comes to financial planning, most financial companies focus on your income. At Kirby Wealth Management Group, we focus on your outcome. That's why we know what it takes to succeed both on your balance sheet and in your life. It takes the right financial partner who looks at where you are now, where you want to go, and designs a financial plan to take you there. We're here to help you achieve the life that you're after, today and every day after. Focus on your financial outcome with Kirby Wealth Management Group. To get started, visit our website at justin-kirby.com. It's time for Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk on News Talk 1400 and 93.9 FM WDWS Champaign-Urbana, where we talk all things Illini along with other area and national sports. Join the program by calling 217-356-9397 or send a text to the Castle Heating and Cooling text line 217-351-5357. Now, here are your hosts. Lauren Tate, and Steve Kelly. Hey, good morning, everybody, and welcome to the program, Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk, with you until 11 o'clock this morning, as usual. Phone line is open if you'd like to join us. We've got plenty of time for an open line. We've got three or four guests scheduled for you this morning. And, of course, Hall of Famer Lauren Tate is riding shotgun with me. How you doing there? (laughs) Ooh, I've, I've heard of that guy. <laughs> you all right this morning? Well, we got a lot of stuff today. You know, I, we were just talking about uh, how how hard he's playing golf these days, huh? Pretty good. Second place right now in the Travelers and shot uh, six under yesterday. Can he keep that up, Steve? Yeah, I think he can, uh, but he's back a little ways. He's five shots back. Well, I don't care place. about that guy. <laughs> Shuffley's run off with it, but uh, that's one. You know, who knows that we saw... Uh, I think Rory shot, uh, McElroy shot a 63 the first day and something like that and then came back with a 70. Yeah, he did. Uh, Xander Shoffley, a pair of 63s. He's 14 under par. This is in the uh, Travelers Championship out in Cromwell, Connecticut. Nick Hardy, a 67 and a 64. He's in a five-way tie for second. Mm-hmm. And uh, so that'll be fun to watch this afternoon. Two more days of it. You got to hang in there. Yep. You got to get under, and you got to stay under. That's the that's the story of the pro ranks. And uh, these scores are a little bit uh, lower than the U.S. Open scores, as you might uh, expect. So that's going to get somewhere in the low to mid twenties, maybe under par. You never know how that might go. So you're going to have to keep uh, firing for uh, the flag. The U.S. Open will be fun to watch again for Illini fans. Steve Stricker. 68 and 69 in the first two rounds. That's five under par. This is out in Bethlehem, Pennsylvania. U.S. Senior Open. He's a shot back of uh, Padraig Harrington. It's kind of interesting. Uh, those two guys, the Ryder Cup captains last year, mm-hmm. opposing captains, be playing together uh, today, this afternoon. So two golf tournaments to keep an eye on for yeah, golf and fans. Peters is uh, tied for fourth, and Dietrich tied for 16th in the BMW International Open. So... That's two more Illini, former Illini, that are making a few bucks. Yep. Baseball last night, the Cubs over the Cardinals, 3 nothing at Bush Stadium. Um, <laughs> the, 
The uh, Cardinal killer was on the mound, wasn't he? He's not having a great year, but if he can pitch against Cardinals every day. I told you, those uh, those 71-mile-an-hour curveballs are just unhittable. Kyle Hendricks, of course, is who (laughs) we're talking about. As the Cubs win that uh, first game of the series, shutting out uh, the Redbirds 3-0. They'll play again this afternoon and tomorrow afternoon at Bush Stadium. Baltimore beat the White Sox 4-1. White Sox lost. White Sox lost. (laughs) That's becoming too frequent. They're still three or four games under 500. They can't get to that uh, can't 500 get it rolling, mark. Can they? The um, some of the basketball news, of course, we'll talk a little bit about uh, the draft as far as uh, how that went. We'll discuss that this morning. We'll talk about Kofi Coburn. Scott Ritchie will join us here in about 10 minutes. You know the irony of that, that whole draft, and, and when you look back at it, Illinois won the Big Ten. I think they did. Isn't that right? Didn't Illinois win the Big Ten without a single player being drafted? There were nine players from the Big Ten drafted. They led the nation in draftees, and yet uh, Illinois with none, of course, Kofi uh, getting a tryout with the Utah Jazz. Yep, he got a summer contract at least, Mm -hmm. and we'll see how if he can parlay that into a— It's a a training camp thing is what it is. is. If you make it in training camp, you can go on from there. Right. And you may not make it through the summer. I mean, it, yeah, you know, they could no drop guarantees. you any time. No, it's, it's no guarantee on either side. Yep. Big Ten had uh, the number four pick, the number five pick, the number 10 pick, and the number 20 pick right out of the gate in the uh, NBA draft. The strangest thing about the whole thing is that the ACC, which was supposedly, quote, down this year, winds up with North Carolina finishing second. And North Carolina beat Duke the last two times they played, including the big one. And the ACC had seven draftees, and five of them were from Duke. <laughs> five of them. That's incredible. In fact, they had the number one, and you know, and and they had four. I think four in the in the in the first round, and another in the second round, and and you know, it's just. I mean, Duke gets so many players. I I said this the other day. I, I, how could they not win the national champ? They had the best coach ever, and they had the, the five NBA players on the, in the lineup. Including the number one draft choice, which was a little bit of a surprise to some. Yeah, it was. I mean, we're, we're reading what people projected, and right. most people projected uh, Smith from Auburn to be number one, but it turned out to be Vanchero, and good for him. Well, Illinois native E.J. Liddell got drafted. Uh, Too low. 41st yeah, in the second round to the Pelicans, next to the last Big Ten player taken. Yeah, you know, uh, Steve, the only, uh, Illinois, the only Big Ten players in the second round were four freshmen and Lydell. It's interesting. It, uh, they, 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 mostly that proves what we all know, that most drafting is done on the come. Exactly. I've had this conversation on the uh, – golf course yesterday comparing Illinois centers of recent okay recent time does anybody compare with Kofi well that's what my question was and who would it be depends Myers Leonard who got drafted in the first round on the come mm-hmm. uh, was not a better college player in anybody's imagination than Kofi oh not even close no, no. had he stayed he would have been a lot better but at least Kofi stayed that third year, but Kofi right. was better as a freshman than he was than than Leonard was as a sophomore. But you could see the different skill set in those two guys. Looking at those guys, uh, 
let her. Kofi was just so strong that nobody could guard him singly. You right. know, everybody double team Kofi. We got to get used to the fact that, you know, they were playing three on four much of the time against Illinois defensively because they had to have two people ready to guard Kofi. It's. Uh, that was never the case. So Leonard wasn't much of an offensive threat, really. I mean, no, but you unless did, you consider, I mean, did he average 10 points a game? I don't remember. You I could mean, see the fact that he could step out and shoot it, though, and, oh yeah. and, well, he, and handle the ball as, pretty well. Yeah, particularly as he went forward. I yes. mean, he became a better three-point shooter in the, in the NBA. We do have the phone lines open, 217-356-9397. Let's kick it off with Eric in Champaign. Go ahead, Eric. Hey, good morning, guys. I had a question. You're talking about the draft, and um, you know this G League Ignite team. Has anyone ever seen a t- that team play? And how do they get players like the best high school players who don't go to college end up there? So how do they even? I'm confused about that team. Can you? Well, they get players. Absolutely, they get players who want to earn some money and not go to school. There are lots of mm-hmm. basketball players who'd rather not go to college. I mean, maybe Kofi. Uh, decided to turn pro because he didn't want to go to college. He could have made more money probably at Illinois this year than he could make anywhere in the world. And and where, and where is that that particular team though? Where where do they you know where do they play? Well, out they play or, mostly they play G League teams, I believe. They they're just a for, they form a team a single a team that's not it's not in any conference or anything. It's just a yeah. But where's it based? I don't know where it's, it's based. An independent team, yeah. Or, or where's it based out of? I don't know. Yeah. Maybe uh, Scott Rich will know. Yeah. All right. It was just it was just curious to me because they end up with a bunch of draft picks and you know mm-hmm. high picks too. And, well, and they, they, they get some. They, they get they draw basically from the top twenty players in the nation out of high school. I think mm-hmm. that's a fair statement that that they draw basically all stars, superstar players who don't want to go to college. Yeah, I saw they got like the number five recruit who instead of going to Kentucky, he went there. He declared yesterday. So well, he <laughs> went like, to Kentucky. Ooh, ooh. He he enrolled at Kentucky at the semester, and after some oh. agreements and disagreements, uh, uh, Calipari decided not to play him. Uh, this was a choice that uh, Sharp Sharp could have played had he wanted to. I mean, he could have insisted that he be allowed to play. But uh, Calipari indicated to him that he would probably get five to ten minutes, and rather than play as a deep sub, he elected not to play and not and to wait and be drafted. And uh, Calipari thought he would be coming back this year to play for Kentucky, but Sharp decided to go immediately. Got it. All right. Well, thanks for the info, guys. Yeah. Yep. Thanks, Eric. Appreciate you listening. Keep the lines open if you want to jump in, 217-356-9397. Some other basketball news yesterday. The uh, pairings were announced for the uh, Big Ten ACC Basketball Challenge. Illinois draws the orange from Syracuse to be played in Champaign at State Farm Center on Tuesday, November 29th. Only one Bayheim coming. Right. The coach. Right. The other Who Beheim, is 77, by the way. Is he? That's too old to be coaching. I thought it? he was old when <laughs> Illinois beat him to go to the Final Four back <laughs> way back when, in 1989. <laughs> Don't talk about old. I'm, Not on this show. <laughs> well, I've got one of the experts with me. <laughs> Syracuse at Illinois. In case you missed some of those other ones, on Monday, the uh, 28th of November, Minnesota at Virginia Tech, Pittsburgh at Northwestern. Then on Tuesday, the 29th, Syracuse at Illinois, Maryland at Louisville, Penn State at Clemson, Virginia at Michigan, Wake Forest at Wisconsin, Georgia Tech at Iowa, 
Then on Wednesday, November 30th, Ohio State at Duke, Purdue at Florida State, Rutgers at Miami, North Carolina at Indiana. There's one of the marquee games. Michigan State at Notre Dame and Boston College at Nebraska. So the schedule kind of shaping up. Help me, Steve. Do we have a game, a Gavit game that has not been announced? Mm. Or not? Are we not going to play a Gavit game this year? Well, that's again a Scott Ritchie question. It has not been announced that Illinois is in, but I haven't seen it announced that anybody's in yet. I no, seen I, it. I just wondered if, if yeah, it was coming. Know. Yeah, because uh, otherwise we pretty much know our schedule right. here with the with the games that, that are that are you know planned and you got two you know, in Las Vegas you got the Texas yeah. game and yeah two, Las Vegas has got Baylor Virginia and UCLA and then of course Texas is the is the, at, at uh, in New York Madison Square Madison Garden Square, right and we got Missouri and St Louis and they got a whole new team right just as we do we might get the uh, knock on wood we might get the basketball schedule in its entirety sooner than we ever have usually it's Knocking on the door in August before uh, we well we know see what that. The, we know what the Big Ten is yeah. and, and it's, just don't know the dates. But uh, real simply, uh, Illinois will go to Iowa, Maryland, and Purdue, and they will be home against Michigan, Michigan State, and Rutgers, and will play everybody else twice. So home, Michigan, and Michigan State. That's two pretty good home games there, and Rutgers. Rutgers could be down a little this year because they lost some key guys. Another guy didn't get drafted, Ron Harper Jr. Ron Harper Jr. didn't get drafted? I can't believe that. And who? Uh, another guy that I thought would maybe was Trevion Williams. Yeah, I, I, again, I thought Trevion Williams would be drafted. Yep, he was not. Wow. You know, you got to be a fit for the NBA. I, Williams might not be the perfect fit, but I would think Harper would work. I, you know, he, he's, he's a legacy player. I mean, his dad played and – in the NBA, and and he's a he's an awful. I think he's a good shooter. I would think that uh, he might stick. I'm sure he'll try out as uh, Kofi and others are doing. Let's go back to the phones here before we uh, take our first break. Let's go to Jason. Jason, you're on the air with us. Go ahead. Yeah, guys. Hey, you guys are always talking about golf, but there's also tennis, which is much more difficult sport. Was wondering what you guys are thinking for Wimbledon. And if you think Rafa Nadal has a chance on the grass to get his 23rd Grand Slam. Got any thoughts on Wimbledon, uh, Lauren? I have no thoughts on Wimbledon. <laughs> Obviously, I'm not a, a tennis uh, aficionado at all. or I, I, I haven't followed it. Uh, no, I, I just simply don't know. I don't either. What do you think, Jason? You, uh, you obviously follow a little closer than we do. Well, I think uh, there's a, a new player out there called Alcaraz from Spain. He's a real good young player. He's got a good chance. Uh, of course, Djokovic, I think, has got uh, a really good chance as well. But, you know, you guys are always talking about golf, but, uh, you know, tennis is a much more difficult sport. And it'd be nice if you. Whoa, whoa, uh, whoa. More difficult? Really? Much more difficult. Okay. Well, okay. Difficulty doesn't have a. <laughs> You know the problem with the difference between tennis and golf is very simple. The same guys win in tennis. You know, you could you can name three or four guys, and that's it. You might have a hundred guys in, in golf that could win every week. Yeah, but Lauren, Lauren, you have to be in shape to play tennis. That's you right. React to the ball. That's a good you point. Hundred twenty mile per hour surge. You got to hit back. Yeah. There's no comparison. No comparison. We're not comparing it. We're talking. Uh, we talk golf because of the Illini connection. Quite a bit because there's so many guys out there that played 
golf here and are associated with Illinois that are playing golf on the pro circuit. That's that's of interest in our view, well, anyway. Did you talk about Kevin Anderson and of course we did. Yes, of course we did. My granddaughter stood up at his wedding. <laughs> Let's take another call before the uh, first break. Don, our friend Don in Savoy. Go ahead, Don. Good morning, Steve. Good morning, Lauren. Uh, just seeing the uh, pairing with Syrac- uh, Syracuse, I think it'll be a test because that early, if you're playing a good zone. Yeah, uh, good point. Might be. You're going to get a zone for sure. Yep, yep. And uh, you get a bunch of guys that haven't played together. But, you know, I, I don't know if Syracuse is going to be very good this year, are they? Well, I don't know, but if they still play zone and you haven't been playing much against them, it can be a test. I didn't I didn't follow much this past year. I really didn't follow. Uh, and I know that Beheim was uh, the son, was a terrific player. But uh, I still remember Beheim, uh, the coach, getting into it with Griffin, who formerly played here the year before, and basically just benched him at the end of the year, and that was it for Griffin left. You know, Griffin's transferred from here to Syracuse, and then he just, I guess he turned pro. Somebody would have to help me. I don't know where he is. I'd have to look that up. But, uh, well, his brother got drafted the other day. Yeah, he sure <laughs> did, and he was there. He was standing next to him. Was he? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, my grandson told me Griffin was in Champaign a lot. In the spring well, I, I, yeah, we I, saw him. Uh, yeah, that's a couple right. weeks ago. Yeah, and and we also, you know, this is, I don't know if this is accurate, but I think that the, the family had a condo here for a while, when he was here, isn't that right, well, I think, Don? Yes, yeah, and the father stayed in the condo when he came and visited the the son that was here. But, yeah, uh, so but the problem was, I think that. The, the family feeling, and I, I don't know about the father. I know the mother was very upset that he wasn't playing more for Illinois at that year, and, and so he left. I mean, I, he was influenced to leave and did. He transferred to Syracuse, and then when they benched him there, he quit there. And he did get benched. I was witness to that. I watched a couple games uh, late in the season where uh, Beheim just pulled him out and left him out. Well, Beheim's sons were good shooters. Mm-hmm. But they didn't. They didn't play much defense. I watched them a few times, and mm-hmm. uh, the, the scores were pretty high. That's all. Mm-hmm. Have a good day. Yeah. Thanks, yeah. Don. Appreciate the call. Nine yep. eighteen is the time. We're going to talk uh, basketball with Scott Ritchie. The other guests lined up today: Mike Carmen, who covers Purdue for the Lafayette Journal and Courier, will join us at nine thirty. Tom Ackerman from KMOX is all over that uh, Cardinals Cubs weekend series in St. Louis. Will join us at ten. And then uh, David Jones from uh, PennLive.com out in Pennsylvania will join us at 1030. In the meantime, the phone lines will stay open. We'll take our first break. Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk continues after this. The Pella Window Showroom in Champaign specializes in windows and doors. Illini Pella can help you select the right window and door for your project, whether it's for replacements, remodeling, or new construction. Right now, they ask that you plan further ahead to allow more time to get your windows and doors in stock. Labor and material shortages are causing some extended lead times. Illini Pella, 1001 North Country Fair Drive in Champaign. PellaofChampaign.com. It is 9.20. Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk. Lauren Tate, Steve Kelly with you until 11. 
talking uh, some basketball off the top and throughout uh, the show today. Scott Ritchie joins us. A couple of great uh, stories in the News Gazette penned by Scott Ritchie on uh, Kofi Coburn and Illinois basketball. Morning, Scott. How are you doing, buddy? I'm doing all right. You, you awake this morning with us? Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> well, Scott, I, I just want to say I, I thought that uh, your articles today were particularly your, – your, all your articles are good. You're really good at what you do. But you answered the, 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 the questions that I was wondering about. You know, how does Kofi fit with Utah and trying to make that ball club, the Utah Jazz – and uh, would you respond to that? I mean, uh, the, the centers that they have and their, their, the likelihood that they would want a center like Kofi. Well, I mean, first of all, with Orrin, you didn't have to buff me up like that. I would have I, I've been I'm thinking so about it, and, and I, I'm serious when I say you are doing a tremendous job. I'm, I, you know, I just might as well say it because I believe it. But, that, but let's get off that. Uh, tell sure. us about that situation. Well, I mean, on paper, it looks like maybe the best fit for Kofi Coburn. And, you know, maybe going undrafted was, you know, not necessarily a bad thing because, you know, he and his agent were able to sort of finesse a little bit, you know, where he wound up, you know, as an undrafted free agent. Um, Because Utah has played guys that kind of look like him over the last several years. I mean, obviously, Rudy Gobert. You know, as a three-time NBA Defensive Player of the Year, and you know, different than than Kofi, uh, certainly maybe a better defender, um, maybe not quite as physical, but more a traditional center than most other teams have in the league. Then this past season, his backup was Hassan Whiteside, who is the same thing, and third-string center who spent, you know, I'd say you know, majority of the season with the G League, but back and forth with Utah before he was hurt was Udoka Azubuki, a former Kansas center. Again, more traditional, you know, that old school type of center. And again, maybe a better defender than Kofi. I think that's probably going to be the case maybe with a lot of, of bigs. But Well, let's look at it. Look at, let me look at it this way. He's not going to start, okay? They're looking for somebody to come in and play minutes and back up. Could he fit that role? Yeah, and you know, I got an opportunity to talk with some of ESPN's, you know, analysts, Jonathan Gavoni, Bobby Marks, and I mean, Kofi's role in the NBA now, maybe for his career, if if he makes it, it's probably going to be in that situational backup role, just because again, the game at that level has has changed. Yeah, twenty years ago, I mean, it's it's the story. Twenty years ago, Kofi's a first round pick, maybe you know, number one you know, overall pick, but you know, it's just not the way. The league works anymore. So, yeah, I think at Utah, you know, they're going to probably trade Rudy Gobert, but it's not going to be like, okay, go for your starting center. They're going to find someone else, would be my guess. But situationally, sure, he could fill that 10 to 12 minute backup role. And now he's got a lot to prove still, you know, between now and, you know, the start of the season. And that can happen in summer league, that can happen, you know, in training camp. But I mean, he's got to show growth as a defender, especially in ball screen situations. He's got to, I mean, if he could hit a mid-range jumper every now and then, like that will only, you know, boost his stock. He has to show that he can hold onto the ball a little better, you know, be confident, maybe not quite as 
you know, loose with the ball, you know, when it's in his hand. So, I mean, there's a lot to, still to do for him, but it puts him in the door, maybe in the best situation, and now it's kind of up to him. Let's uh, not confuse this with the uh, so-called two-way contracts. This is not what he has at this point. Explain his compensation. Uh, nothing's guaranteed at this point. Is that right? Yeah, so he... It was reported that he signed an Exhibit 10 contract, which is, by definition, a one-year minimum salary contract that counts towards a team's 20-man off-season roster limit. Um, It doesn't count against their salary cap situation unless he makes the regular season roster, of which there are not 20 players. Um, So, And it's not guaranteed. Like, Kofi can be cut at any minute and will receive essentially what he's been paid to date nothing else um it's not as secure obviously as a two-way contract um the jazz used their second two-way spot on johnny juzang the guard out of ucla and the other one uh, was already filled with uh, xavier sneed who played at kansas state bruce weber um so it's it's a way in but again you know between now and October, it's Kobe's kind of just on the edge there. I mean, there's there's not a lot of security. Is this similar to what uh, Denver gave Georgie? It is, um, in a way, because you know since it's a one-year minimum salary contract, the minimum for the rookies in the NBA, this is if he makes an NBA roster, is going to be just over a million dollars. Georgie obviously did not make that roster. And sort of as the reshuffle, as they finalize the NBA roster, set the G League roster, Georgia wasn't making, uh, I guess would have been 900-ish thousand last year. But he got his foot in the door with the Exhibit 10. So it's it's a pass for Kofi to maybe, you know, pretty decent money as a rookie or in all likelihood um, – He'll face, you know, that, that reshuffling either after summer league or at some point during the training camp as the roster is cut from the 20 that they can't have to, as of what it's at, 15. Um, so, you know, that, that million dollars would be off the table and he would make whatever his, they were willing to pay him in the G League. The minimum last year for that was, I think, around $37,000. Uh, Steve brought up the point uh, uh, earlier that neither Harper uh, nor uh, Williams of Purdue got um, um, were were drafted. Did, did that surprise? Did you expect Williams to be drafted and Harper? I had seen both of their names sort of at the end of the second round in various mm-hmm. mock drafts, but um, as got closer to. Thursday that had changed a little bit and I mean the second round is such a crapshoot because you know there are names coming off the board and it's you know well sometimes I, a lot of international players at the bottom and it's, it's right not, there, there were there were nine of the 30 were either foreign or from that uh, uh, that uh, Ignite League what's the name of the league Ignite or the G, the, the G League Ignite team yeah yeah, yeah. And so, so it's that's a lot. That I mean, nine out of thirty. Yeah, that they went undrafted wasn't a total surprise at that point. 
Um, Ron Harper did sign a two-way deal with the Toronto Raptors, so he's got maybe a little more security. Um, and then I know Trevor Williams signed a deal with the Boston Celtics. I'm not sure um, the details there, but I think someone was probably going to take a shot on Ron Harper just because of his lineage, one, but also I mean, he's a good basketball player. I mean, there's questions sort of about his fit. You know, is he a guard? Is he a forward? Um, but I always thought he was pretty, just a good basketball player. Another couple of minutes with uh, Scott Ritchie. We talked a little bit ago about the uh, Big Ten ACC challenge schedule. Syracuse comes to Illinois. Have the Gavit uh, games, have they been announced yet? Uh, they have not, but I'm fairly certain Illinois is not playing this year in the Gavit games because um, they've already fulfilled their whatever it is, like four or five games in eight years. Or, uh, no, I get you. The fact uh, I mean, just the fact that the Big East has fewer teams makes the, yeah. that a little convoluted. But uh, fairly certain Illinois is not going to play in one of those. And it'd be hard. I mean, you can always add a better game to the schedule, but you, you're giving up you know, maybe uh, one of those bye games at home where you're just sort of counting on a win. And if Illinois is replacing perhaps, you know, a gambit opportunity with playing Texas in the Jimmy V, I think that's a fair trade-off. Right. All right, Scott, appreciate uh, you taking some time with us to get us caught up to date. Keep up the good work, my friend. All right, thanks, guys. You bet. Scott Ritchie from the uh, News Gazette with us here on Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk. It is 9.30. We'll talk more and uh, bring in from uh, Lafayette, Mike Carmen to the program after this. Stay tuned. Illinois Sports Talk continues here on this Saturday morning. Steve Kelly and Lauren Day with you until 11. It is moving up on 9.33. Phone line is open, 217-356-9397. Let's bring into the program Mike Carmen, who covers Purdue Athletics over at uh, the uh, Lafayette Journal and Courier. Good morning, Mike. How are you doing this morning? Great. How are you guys? We're good. We're talking... Uh, NBA draft and the fact that uh, Kofi Coburn uh, didn't get drafted. Uh, Travion Williams turned out didn't uh, get drafted either. We were surprised by that. But of course, Purdue had uh, a guy going pretty high in that number five pick in Jaden Ivey. Let's get your thoughts on on the draft overall and those uh, couple of guys we mentioned right there in particular. Well, I think it's a good landing spot for Jaden because the Pistons had the number one overall pick last year and took Kate Cunningham and now you've taken a, a dynamic uh, player in Jaden Ivey that you can pair with in the backcourt, and you know if you know these these things sometimes don't work out, but you've got a pretty dynamic backcourt there with those two guys, and uh, it'll be up to the Pistons to, to fill out the rest of the roster to to complement the talent they have there. But uh, yeah, it was it wasn't a surprise Jaden was a was a top five pick. A lot of people thought he might go to Sacramento at number four, but um, a lot of things there didn't, you know, was not going to, they were not going to work out for Jaden in Sacramento and they ended up with Keegan Murray. But, uh, you know, you know, Jaden spent two years at Purdue and really took a big step forward after his first year. He still has to improve his perimeter shooting a, a little bit more, but he, he's one of the fastest guys 
uh, in college basketball, and it remains to be seen how fast he'll be in the pro game with the ball in his hands. And he can, when he gets that defensive rebound, uh, he can really move up the court. And um, and he's got, I think he's got a lot more upside to him. And I, I would think he'll have a long and successful career in the pros. I want to ask about Carmen Ed- Carson Edwards because he's with that team. He had a couple of years with Boston. Now one with the Pistons. I I expected him to be a solid pro. Did you? I mean, he, he's right on the borderline now making the team, isn't he? Yeah, I think so. I think that's kind of kind of where he's always going to be in the NBA. I mean, he, he's got tremendous skills uh, and all those things, but. <clears throat> You know, I don't, I don't know if he's going to be a, a mainstay on a roster for the rest of his career. I think he'll bounce around a lot. I mean, he'll have to work hard uh, to to get on the on the Pistons roster for next season. I wouldn't be surprised if he's probably playing in the summer league uh, coming up in a few weeks to try to, you know, enhance his game even more. I mean, as you as you guys know, it's a, it's just such a competitive uh, world in the NBA with. The, the roster spots that they have and, you know, then you factor in money and all that kind of stuff. So, um, you know, Carson's got his work cut out for him, but he's talented enough to do it. Um, it's just a matter of, you know, being consistent and, you know, doing more than just shooting. And he's a tremendous shooter. We all know that, but there's other aspects of the game that he, he'll have to do to, to stick on a roster for an extended period of time. Yeah, that, that's an interesting roster. They, you know, the, the guys that lead the team are guys I don't know much about, Grant and Bay and Bagley, but they got Luca Garza on that ball club, and uh, is he going to make it? Yeah, what what is his what what do you see as his future in terms of the NBA? Well, I just think right now, not just with Luca, but just with all big men. Hey, I, I was, I mean, we all we all watched EJ Liddell play at Ohio State, and just. I thought he was fabulous. I thought that maybe he could get a get a a, a pick in the first round. Yeah. Uh, but he doesn't go. He doesn't go to the second round. I just you know big men are becoming extinct in the NBA, and you know then you wonder like a guy like Zach Eady, you know where does he fit if he does fit in the NBA? You know he's a tremendous college player, but who's he going to defend in the NBA? And you know Luca's tremendous big man in Iowa had a great career, but just one of those guys that maybe just too big for the NBA, you know, where, <laughs> where does he play? Who does he guard? I mean, it's just, it's a smaller game now in the NBA than it was, you know, 10, 15, 20 years ago where you had the dominant center and you played through that center. Now everything evolves around your, your guards and your perimeter and everybody loves the three point shot. And that's kind of what they're, they're focused on. If you're a big man that can shoot a three and also defend, and you've got a place, but that combination is is really rare. And I know there's some guys out there doing it, but it's just it's it's kind of rare right now. And you know, Luca, like Carson Edwards, probably going to have to to really fight to to stick on a roster for an extended period of time. Well, when you talk about uh, Luca, you're saying a lot of the same things about uh, Kofi Coburn and uh, Trevion Williams as well. Right. Yeah. Same same thing. I think. You know, Travion can do a lot of other things besides score. You know, we've all seen his passing ability. We've all seen, you know, what he can, <clears throat> what he can do uh, with the ball in his hands. He doesn't have to score to be effective. Where I think a lot of big men out there have to score to be effective. And, again, like Kofi, you know, where does he fit? You know, a back-to-the-basket player in the NBA, 
you know, really doesn't exist uh, anymore. And then who's he going to guard uh, when, it, when it's time to go to that end of the floor? But, uh, you know, these guys now have a chance to kind of show themselves in summer league and, and things like that. And, you know, they're, they're going to have to bet on them. You know, they kind of bet on themselves by moving into the draft. And now they really bet on themselves trying to leave a lasting impression uh, when, they, when they start summer league play here in a few weeks. Sad story on uh, Swanigan. Uh, your take yeah. on that, and and uh, you know a guy that really had a rough life, and then he became a superstar, and then it just all went away. Yeah, I mean it's a it's a it's, it's a tragic ending to a story that didn't have to end the way that it did. I mean he he worked so hard and surrounded himself by the right people you know, coming, you know, at middle school and then freshman and, you know, got a break. And and then he put all that time in to, to get his body right and get himself in a position to, to earn a college scholarship. You know, he originally committed to Michigan State and then decommitted and ended up at Purdue. And the guy was a worker. I mean, the guy put in the time. Um, now, I didn't cover them when he played, but I was over in Mackey Arena a lot. And you, you saw it. I mean, you, you saw him on the treadmill. You saw him in Mackey Arena. You saw him at Cardinal Court, you know, putting in the work. But, you know, and then he, you know, gets drafted in the, the NBA. Things don't go right. And then all of a sudden he's out of the NBA. And then, you know, he loses some of his support systems. And, you know, he gained a lot of weight back. And at that point you kind of, you know, you were hoping for the best, but deep down – you know, this is not going to end well for him. And I just think his, his body and just things in his life uh, contributed to, to what happened uh, earlier this week. It's, a, as you said, sad and tragic, all wrapped into one. Um, and he, he was, I mean, as you know, Lauren, I mean, just a dynamic player in college. And sure was. Dominated, uh, just dominated a lot of games. And he, he was probably, he's probably been the toughest matchup uh, that Purdue, that that opposing team has had against Purdue in a long, long time. Because what since what, Glenn what, Robinson, <laughs> yeah. I mean, what, what do you what do you do with him? I mean, we we saw firsthand how teams try to defend him, and they just they just couldn't. And you, you put another big guy next to him, and uh, you know he had free reign a lot of times. And he was just he was just a he was a man when he was on the court, and he played that way. He played aggressive and. Um, but he off the court, he was he was kind of quiet, uh, a gentle soul, um, nice guy. Teammates respected this, the, respected him to the the highest level because they saw the work that he put in. And once they found out about his story, what he had to overcome to even get to that point, the respect went through the window for everyone, and they loved him. They loved what he did for him. Um, and it's it, it is it's it's been a sad it's been a sad week from that standpoint. Did you hear uh, what was the reason for his death? I mean, was it just overweight, or was there drugs involved, or do you have any idea? No, I, I just think a combination of things. You know, I think he had diabetes, and uh, you know the, the the weight. You know, he didn't he, he couldn't get that under control again, and um, I, I, you know they the, the the reason was natural causes, and as you know, that can mean a lot of different things. Um, but I, I haven't heard of one specific reason why, but I just think, you know, the combination of some of his ailments, you know, caught up to him. 
Talking to Mike Carmen, another couple of minutes uh, with him over in uh, Lafayette. How is recruiting going for a Matt Painter, both uh, on the high school level and in the transfer portal? Has he been active in the portal? Well, they, they tried to get active in the portal, portal because they needed a point guard coming into next year, and they thought they had they thought they thought had one a few months ago with Nigel Pack, but anybody that's followed the portal and the NIL understand that <laughs> there was a lot of money down at Miami for, for Nigel Pack. You know, and then they went after Tyrese Hunter at Iowa State. He ends up at Texas. Um, you know, they were in on a couple other guys, Courtney Ramey from Texas, who ended up at Arizona. They finally landed a guard. He's not a point guard, not a traditional point guard, but David Jenkins Jr., who played at Utah last year, but also has played at South Dakota State and UNLV. Uh, he'll be more of an off guard for them, but it's not the ideal transfer that they, they wanted, but they'll have an experienced guy on the floor with an inexperienced point guard. And Matt Painter believes he can make that work. He's, uh, Jenkins is a really good three-point shooter and has, has the numbers to back it up over his career. Uh, but you're, you're putting a 24-year-old on, on this roster uh, that doesn't have, any, doesn't have any returning seniors. So, you know, that, that should be a benefit uh, uh, for Purdue. But that was their mission to try to get out and get some guard help on the perimeter uh, this year. And, um, I, and I think you'll see a lot of different guys play the point position. Ethan Morton probably – it's the first crack at it. They have a freshman uh, coming in who's got to get healthy, but Braden Smith brings a lot of toughness. He's in. He was in the as Mr. Basketball this this past year, and even uh, another freshman, Fletcher Lawyer, uh, who, who's more of a shooter, will will get it. Will get some time at the point guard. So you're going to see a, a lot of different guys rotate through that position. Is uh, is the lawyer? Is he from Homestead in in Fort Wayne? Yes, he's from Homestead in Fort Wayne. So that's, sw- that's where Swanigan went in. I, I think uh, Goody, uh, Luke Goody, who was here, I, I think he played alongside him. And I, and I know he yes. made comment about when he grew up that he, he really uh, enjoyed watching uh, Swanigan in high school. He, in fact, he, he, uh, he, he, uh, he mentioned that specifically just this past week. Yeah, all those guys kind of you know went through the Homestead system. Uh, Goody and, and Lawyer played together at Homestead. Now, Swanigan uh, wasn't at Homestead for uh, for his entire career, uh, but, yeah, he had, a, he had a big impact there at that at that high school. Anything new on the football side over there for the Boilermakers? Well, I think, you know, recruiting in the month of June is a big time for recruiting because you can bring official visitors in, and that's Purdue's got some this weekend. You know, they've, they've picked up uh, – I believe seven commitments this month um, for the 2023 class, uh, and you know they've added uh, 11 transfers. Uh, I know Nebraska, I think, has 15. I don't, I don't know how many Illinois has added, but Purdue has added 11 transfers since the end of last year, including a couple receivers from Iowa, Tyrone Tracy and, and, and Charlie Jones, and Jones should be able to help Purdue in the return game. Uh, because he, you know, he's Big Ten Returner of the Year. Uh, but yeah, they, you know, and you have Aiden O'Connell back, and everybody's pretty high on Aiden and um, what he can do. And uh, he's, you know, he's going to be one of the better quarterbacks in the Big Ten. And was he originally a walk-on, Mike? Oh yeah, yeah. He, I mean, that's a heck of a story. I mean, he's, I mean, in fact, he wasn't even, he didn't even start against Illinois last year, did he? I mean, he came in and won the game. 
came in and I think he threw some picks and then ended up winning the game. Uh, but yeah, he started as a walk-on. He was he, he was looking at going to Division three school out of high school. Uh, I think Wheaton College, but his quarterback coach knew Jeff Brom. Quarterback coach had a conversation with Jeff, and they brought him in. They liked him and uh, gave him a chance to, to walk on. And then through a, a myriad of injuries that Purdue suffered uh, with David Blau and Elijah Sendelar uh, and Jack Plummer, uh, he, he just kind of kept moving up the depth chart, and they gave him an opportunity, and he has – he has taken hold of that opportunity. Um, the biggest question, though, is they don't have what I think is an NFL, high NFL draft pick quality receiver. You've had David Bell and Rondell Moore the last few years. The receiver core at Purdue, I don't, I don't think, features one of those guys. So how does O'Connell and this receiver group mesh together uh, without, ha- without having that big stud? out there. I think they have a good group of receivers, but they don't have that, that, that main guy that you, that you always, that you've associated with Purdue football the last few years. Hey Mike, we appreciate your time this morning. Good to catch up with you and enjoy the rest of your weekend. Thanks Mike. All right. Thanks, Brett. That's uh, Mike Carmen over in Lafayette with the Lafayette journal and courier nine. A lot of info there. It was nine forty eight is the time. We'll take a break. We'll have an open line until ten and after that as well, two one seven three five six nine three nine seven. We're back after this. It is nine fifty. Phone line open, 217-356-9397. With Lauren Tate, Steve Kelly with you on Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk. And if you haven't been by the Pella Window Store lately, I remind you they're located at 1001 North Country Fair Drive. If you happen to be looking for new windows and or doors for your home, they've been a fixture in uh, the community for many decades now. And the Pella Window Store has all kinds of patio doors on display in the showroom. They'll not only help you find What's best for your place? They'll stand behind them with a limited lifetime warranty as well. Illini Pella offers one-stop shopping. You'll see the products. You can talk about installation and financing, too, if you need to. Window and door shopping is not something you do every day, so it takes some planning, and you got to look down the road a little bit because of today's supply issues around uh, the country and the world. But you want to make sure you get it right. Do your research. Set your budget. Work with the pros at the Pella Window Store, then show off your new windows and doors to family and friends. 1001 North Country Fair Drive in Champaign is the location for the showroom. Open Monday through Friday, 8 to 4, Saturday by appointment. They also have locations in Danville, Decatur, Bloomington. Check them out online at PellaOfChampagne.com. Mike Mary is the general manager at the Champaign location. That's PellaOfChampagne.com for Illini Pella, Windows and Doors. About eight minutes before 10 o'clock, coming up at 10, we'll talk some Major League Baseball with Tom Ackerman from KMOX in St. Louis. At 10.30, we'll talk some Big Ten matters with uh, David Jones, who covers Penn State and been on the show with us several times as well. Mike Carmen talked about um, spring visitor, or rather, uh, I guess now summer visitors, uh, for uh, football teams at uh, Purdue, and then, of course, that, that's going on here as well. You know, no, it's really been going out on the defensive side in the last few weeks, haven't they? They have. They've got uh, 12 now commitments for the 2023 class, 
including a defensive end from Florida this week, Calvin Smith, who uh, committed, and a couple other defensive uh, folks as well. So 12 on that uh, 23 class. I don't know what uh, they're what they're going for numbers-wise, but uh, that's a pretty good uh, indication. They've got some more guys coming in in the, in the days ahead here as we wrap up June. Well, they'll go into the teens, but not beyond that. You're right. They'll, go, they'll take several more, but I, I just uh, I felt like they, they really needed to do something defensively because uh, they had been on the offensive side earlier, and uh, now they've, they've, they've moved with those three defensive ends coming in or deep, I, outside linebackers, defensive ends, whatever you want to call them. And depends on how they grow and how big they are two years from now when they might play. <laughs> right. You know, so and, – and maybe they can help a defensive tackle there too because we've, we've seen that happen. Um, I, I think that um, you can't get enough good defensive linemen. I mean, that's just all there is to it. Because it's a, it's a position where you almost always have some injuries – and you need depth there. You just can't play. Uh, offensive linemen can play every down, every down of every game. And they don't get injured very often. I've seen many years, many, many years since I've been here, where all five guys that start the season end the season in the offensive line. But defensive, that never happens. And it's, uh, we just need to uh, get some depth there because depth in the defensive line is critical. Brett Bielma talked this week about uh, several things, including uh, – the fact that he'll have just about everybody who uh, expects to be on the roster for this coming season will be here in short term. They're almost all here now, and they've had a chance in these uh, summer workouts to, to kind of put uh, some stuff in for the uh, first game or two or three. Yeah, they're, they're working on the first three games, yeah. I guess, you know, as far as studying up and trying to get ahead of, while they have time here, and they'll take some time off, the coaches will, and then come back and and make the run in in, uh, in August. I guess we've got the uh, Big Ten meetings, what, July the 26th, 27th, somewhere in there. Yep. And uh, we'll be going to, to Indianapolis this year, I believe. Is that right? Instead right. of Chicago. Huh? It is. Mm-hmm. It is. And uh, Illinois will be on the second day of that, I believe. Yes. And, uh, of course, that season opener is August 27th against Wyoming, 3 o'clock. Then they play Indiana on a Friday night. And Virginia on a Saturday afternoon. Those are the uh, first three ball games, and it'll get here before you know it. Uh, it it'll be kind of uh, tickets are on sale, by the way. Now single game tickets, uh, you can also get those. So check those out and make your plans for the fall. Yeah, it may be. Uh, do you think this will be the last year for the divisional setup? We'll we can ask uh, David Jones about that at uh, at ten thirty. But I think we might. This might be it, Steve. Start talking about those rivalries again, and yeah, trying to figure out how you schedule, how you set up schedules. If you just have fourteen teams, you know, like they have in basketball. Except in football, it's so different because you've got, you've got these games that are are so critical to to the attendance and to the fans. In basketball, you're going to play everybody at least once anyway. But in football, uh, we we go years we go years without playing Indiana, exactly. which we should be playing every year. I agree, but is there somebody on here? Here's let's ask this kind of reverse: Is there somebody on the Illinois football schedule that you think fans would uh, clamor about not playing? In other words, if they don't play Northwestern, you think that's a big deal to Illinois well, not fans? Not the way the fans turn out in the last right. game of the season. I mean, it, exactly, there's very poor attendance for that game over time, and. Uh, 
But is there somebody they play? It wouldn't bother me. <laughs> Although it's a game you can win. Although we haven't, we, Illinois won this last year, but yeah. they hadn't been winning in recent years. But I, I would think that uh, I would think you have to play Northwestern. Yeah, I mean, I think so. And you know, Wisconsin and teams Iowa, they're in your division now. But who knows how it's going to be when there, if there is no division. But there's, I just don't see a game there that is necessarily a must play. I I can see where they would be theoretically good rivalries because of location and such, but that doesn't always make a good rivalry. Illinois has things have changed so much for Illinois over time in terms of rivalries. Michigan and Ohio State that was once a great rivalry, and it just for Illinois fans. Well, I, I think I think at one time Illinois, Michigan, when Jim Becker was Elliot's was there, Elliot was at Michigan and Elliot was at Illinois. You had the brothers playing against each other. It was a big rivalry then. It was. I mean, I think it was a big rivalry for Michigan. Not as big as Ohio State, right. but uh, you know, there was a time if you go back far enough that Michigan State wasn't even in the Big Ten. That True. they weren't. You know, Michigan may have fought to keep them out. Far as I know, I think I heard that, but I don't know where I heard it. But um, in any case, I, I don't, I don't know, uh, Steve. I think there's, Illinois belongs in a in a league, with Wisconsin and Northwestern and Indiana and Purdue and Iowa and those those are the teams that Illinois belongs with because they they fit naturally and they're competitive. Illinois does not belong in the league with Ohio State and Michigan the way that the the competitiveness has, has turned out. But all those teams that. Uh well, pretty much all those teams you mentioned that belong with Illinois don't want to be <laughs> tied to Ohio State and Michigan all the time either. I mean, th- yeah. those two are out. Well, you can throw Penn State in there. They're they're just yeah. kind of outliers. Well, Michigan hasn't been that great until last year. Well, I know. Let's face it. They, well, over time they have, but that's right. Yeah, that's right. Over time, but the last ten, if you go back to when Rodriguez, when Rich Rodriguez came into Michigan. From that time on, they've had some coaching problems, and until Harbaugh got this thing. And even Harbaugh's had his problems, you know, until last year. Mm-hmm. Moving up on 10 o'clock, WDWS, 93.9 FM, WDWS, Champaign-Urbana. Hour number one of Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk is in the books. We'll kick off hour number two in just a moment with some baseball talk. Tom Ackerman from KMOX in St. Louis will join us. We're back after this. My name is Denise Martin. I'm a diehard Illini fan and admittedly love the Cubs. When it comes to financial planning, most financial companies ask, what's your salary? At Kirby Wealth Management Group, we ask, what's your story? We know building the right financial plan means looking at more than money. That's why we start by asking the right questions, listening to what matters most to you, then guiding you every step of the way to help you live the life you want now and years from now. Call us today at 217-355-9390. It's the second hour of Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk on News Talk 1400 and 93.9 FM WDWS Champaign-Urbana. Join the program by calling 217-356-9397 or send a text to the Castle Heating and Cooling text line 217-351-5357. Here again are your hosts, Lauren Tate and Steve Kelly. Welcome back to hour number two of the program. Pretty active first hour. Talked about the NBA draft. We talked some Illinois football. Talked some Purdue news over that way today. And now we're going to talk some Major League Baseball, the big series in St. Louis. The Cubs 
And the Cardinals, the Cubs get uh, the win last night, the first win of the uh, three-game series, 3-0. And Tom Ackerman from KMOX is with us from the Arch City. How are you doing, Tom? Uh, doing great. How are you guys doing? We're good. We're good. Of course, uh, we're uh, a little focused on being Cardinal fans, and not all of our listeners are, and we understand that. But uh, that was a nice win for the Cubs last night, and uh, Cardinals need to try to bounce back today. When's Cal Hendricks going to retire? <laughs> Better well, yet, when are they going to trade him to right. St. Louis? Hey, he can throw that 71-mile-an-hour curveball forever, right? Get this guy out of here. My gosh. <laughs> yeah, I was at the game last night. I actually sat uh, with a friend who uh, texted me and said, you know, I'm having one of those weeks. I just need a getaway. Are you going to the game Friday by chance? And I said, not only am I going, but you're going to go with me. Let's go. <laughs> so got him in town, gave him the little, you know, the St. Louis uh, – the ultimate St. Louis day where, where he came in, we hit Pappy's for dinner, uh, got some barbecue in him, went and saw Cards Cubs, and then wrapped up the night with a little little post-game uh, drink to talk it over. And, you know, what we decided was that Kyle Hendricks was great. <laughs> That's basically the game. I mean, Andre Pallante was, I thought, fine. I mean, he went, he got into the game. He got hit pretty hard, but he threw strikes, got into the sixth inning, actually went six and gave up three runs. You know, a baseball agent would tell you that's a quality start. Uh, And uh, for him, longest start of his career. So that's good. But on the other side, Hendricks, just for whatever reason, has the Cardinals number. He does mix pitches really well. Um, He allowed just to walk uh, in three hits through his first seven innings. Um, And you know, then the, the Cardinals started to put some runners on him late, and he was able to get out of the, you know, Lars Newtbar situation, and then he finds himself getting a standing ovation from the Cubs fans on the third base line, and well-deserved. I mean, it was a, a really nice win for him and them, and the Cardinals just had no answer. Now, what that probably means is the Cubs could be in a little trouble today, because they, the Cardinals tend to to go from zero to a hundred and you know they, they could be they could be in business today for some offense we'll see but yeah that's tough I don't you know Hendricks just one of those pitchers that for the most part whether it's been at Wrigley or at Bush Stadium doesn't matter he just finds a way to, to get through the Cardinals lineup no matter who the Cardinals have in the lineup and it's been tough Ben Fredrickson my buddy over at the post-dispatch the columnist said if I'm the Brewers I'm wor- I'm working on getting a deal done for Kyle Hendricks, mm-hmm. and that's actually pretty smart. If you if you want to take down the Cardinals in the division, go find the kryptonite, and that's definitely him. Do you see this as a transition time for the Cardinals? I saw the other night they had four rookies in the lineup, uh, four out of the eight positions basically, um, and I'm I'm wondering which way are they going to go? Uh, it looks like they're going to go young. Uh, they are going to go with a mix there because mm-hmm. you still have Yachty and Wayno and Pujols, right? The, the, the nostalgic the trio there with the Wainwright still looking great at 40. Yachty is in Puerto Rico right now resting his knee, but I would not count him out anytime soon. I mean, he, he finds a way usually to come back and be strong, and they're going to need him in September and uh, hopefully October. And then Pujols, who really serves more as a mentor and as a – as a coach really among players in a lot of ways. And then he can come off the bench or he can start against the lefty and and provide some pop for you or just run production, still a smart hitter. That's great. Then you have the middle group, which is 
the very exciting MVP caliber players in Paul Goldschmidt and Nolan Arenado. In a lot of ways, those two are the faces of the team right now in their early 30s, in the prime of their career. That's, you know, superstar talent, without a doubt. But, yes, I think then there's that other group, like a Tommy Edmond, a Harrison Bader. Edmond's been fantastic. I mean, he's one of the top productive players. He's an all-star, without question, in the National League. You know, you got uh, Harrison Bader and then the the Tyler O'Neill, Dylan Carlson additions in the outfield, which have been very strong. So you've got that group of guys in their 20s. And then there's the group that you're alluding to, this young wave of players coming up from Memphis that really have knocked Paul DeYoung out of a job. I mean, you've got Brendan Donovan can play anywhere and sell popcorn or what, you know, I mean, he could do everything. Uh, and then you have, uh, you know, Nolan Gorman's come up. He's 22 years old. He He's going to play every day if, if he, if they can, because of his ability to hit. I mean, he's batting second in the order at the age of 22. Uh, Juan Yepes, who has a very nice bat, still needs to work on his defense, and he got caught in a base running mistake yesterday. But he's a, a really nice player from the right-handed side. I mentioned Lars Newtbar. He's somebody still to keep an eye on. You know, they, they have these young – and the young pitcher you saw last night in Palante, and, of course, many more that you're seeing uh, come out of the bullpen. Jordan Hicks you'll see soon. You know, these are uh, – this is a tribute to what the Cardinals have done in the draft through the years. They've hung on to these players for the most part. They've traded away some good prospects, but for the most part, they hang on to their players. And now you're seeing the fruits of that labor. I mean, they are a, an organization that's going to be around for a long time. You know, if you, if you don't like the Cardinals, well, <laughs> you know, uh, unfortunately for you, they're going to be successful for a while. Now it's a matter of finding a way to get over the hump of, is this team a team that gets into the playoffs, or is this a team that can go make a serious run for a world championship? Talking to Tom McAvoy on the Cardinals pitching right now. Miles Michaelis starts today, Jack Flaherty tomorrow, then Wayno on Monday. But uh, what do they need to do there to uh, to take that up a notch? I think Flaherty's really important. This third start, I'll be very curious to see how he comes out of it. His first start, he really couldn't catch his breath. He was just so intense and didn't handle it. He didn't feel he just could never control himself. And that was that first start that he had uh, at Bush stadium. The second start uh, up in Milwaukee didn't go all that well either. He went three innings, uh, just couldn't get control of the strike zone and the Cardinals bullpen saved him. So the bullpen's been lights out. I mean, if you're talking about Hennessy Cabrera, Giovanni Gallegos, Ryan Helsley, uh, Zach Thompson has been really strong. Johan Oviedo just uh, pitched two and a third to get his first major league win. But eventually, you know, I don't know how long you can go with having pitchers go two innings at a time and expect your bullpen to pick up five or six innings. Pitchers have to go deep. I can count on Michaelis to do that. Usually I can count on Wainwright to do that. He didn't do that last time. He went four and two-thirds, but I think he will. Uh, I think Dakota Hudson definitely can do that. Uh, He just needs to keep the ball in the ballpark, and he'll be fine. He's a strike thrower. Uh, Steven Matz is starting to throw a little bit, and he's a pitcher that can go deep into a game. That's really important. Um, then that loses, circles back to Flaherty. You know, that's what that was Flaherty's forte. He, you could count on Flaherty to go seven innings, sometimes even eight, and be really strong, at times dominant. That was a real difference maker for the Cardinals, and they need to find that Jack Flaherty. And if they don't, 
they're going to have to find a solution to that rotation if it's not stabilized, if Matt's, let's say, has a setback or something like that, because those are your starters. Um, and that's really where the rotation lies right now. The one pitcher going tonight, Miles Michael, is he has been fantastic, really great. Talking to Tom Ackerman, and you can count on the number one Cardinal fan in North Carolina calling uh, when Tom is on the show. Marty, you're on the air with Tom. Go ahead. I will accept that label. Um, <laughs> Tom, great to talk to you again. And your Hoosiers are going to be, you know, the, the team to get in basketball this year, so you should be happy this winter. Um, I'm pretty happy. And, by the way, speaking of North Carolina, I saw who's coming to Bloomington for the ACC Big oh, yeah. Ten Challenge on November 30th. That place is going to be, oh, my goodness. It'll that place easy. will be rocking. That's going to be fun. Yep. A couple questions. Uh, one, uh, the bullpen's great if you can get the bottom two or three to do the same job the top four have done, or five. And I like the young guys. I like Thompson. But my real question is, why, why in the world did they bring Flaherty up until they built him up to 100 pitches in his rehab because he hasn't looked right and uh, I don't I don't think that did them any good and secondly Milwaukee in the last 3 years their record against left-handed starters is below 500 why in the world wasn't a Libertor or even a Thompson starting against them one of those games because Hudson against Milwaukee is great at home but he has been very poor at Milwaukee. That's where he gives up his home runs. He's given up six home runs to Milwaukee in his career, and they've all been in Milwaukee. So what was the thinking, what was the team thinking with Flaherty and with not having a lefty start against them? I think that's a fair question. Uh, to go back to Flaherty and the pitch count, I think this was out of need. and They wanted to just get him going. Why have him starting in Memphis uh, if they feel like they could get five, four or five innings out of them, they they feel like they have a strong enough bullpen. Uh, just let him grow that pitch count here, and it it has not worked out because you know, he just wasn't yeah. ready to get It wasn't a matter of arm strength. Like, his shoulder feels good. He feels great. And I think for him it's just a matter of getting back to throwing strikes and feeling strong about his stuff. It's not a, it's not a medical issue necessarily. I think it's more between the years, just getting himself back to who he used to be. And I'll be very curious to see how that looks next time around. I think the lefty uh, question is a good one, um, but they're not going to, they're not going to make a roster move like that based on just facing Milwaukee for one game. I think that they feel pretty good about the pitchers that they threw out there. I mean, it was a, it was a pretty good lineup of starters, to be honest. I mean, they had Michaelis, Flaherty, Wainwright, yeah, I, Hudson. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not against those four at all. Um, no, I'm not. I think I'm that not you you can make I, the I'd case for yeah. I I would have started. I like Thompson Zach Thompson in the fourth game and and pushed Hudson back a day and get everybody the extra day of rest because he just hasn't pitched well. At I hear you. I'm not. I don't think they're ready to do a Zach Thompson start. I think they they like him coming out of the pen, and that. Yeah proved to be correct because he did come and rescue them and, and came out of the he pen. Did. In fact, the entire pen had back-to-back -back hitless games, they, but they you know, I, I like Libertor a lot. I'm not sure that they feel confident enough uh, to just hand it over to Libertor just yet, but that's coming. 
and you know this is they're holding holding on for Steven Matz at some point when he's able to get back. He's been out for over a month now, uh, but again, he did throw a nice bullpen session yesterday. I did not see it for myself, but I was in the house uh, when when it happened, and everybody seemed to be good with it. It looks like he's going to go right to Memphis and start his rehab, and you should see him back pretty soon. What's the, what's the status on uh, Hicks, by the way? Uh, Jordan has been throwing for Memphis. Uh, he did throw last night. And he threw, uh, uh, I think, 39, 40 pitches, somewhere in that neighborhood, allowed a run, gave up a hit. Um, but he you know, was back to striking out. I think he had a couple of walks, too. So uh, it was all in one inning. Uh, and then that was, a, that was a seventh inning. So he pitched two innings yesterday. His sixth inning was perfect, and then the seventh inning, he had a whole bunch of stuff happen, walks, strikeouts, a hit, uh, et cetera. But you know, the fact that he is out there throwing hard and looking good and feeling good is a huge development for the Cardinals. And Hicks will go into the bullpen. He will not start. They're going to have a big weapon coming out of the bullpen. I think that – and the, uh, the, the caller, Marty, also made the point that the, Car- the Cardinals' bullpen, you know, the top guys have been good. I think the important part for them right now is how do they pitch out of the bullpen when they're down and keep the game relatively close? And they've, they've identified, I think, a few pitchers that can do that for them now. You know, beyond the, the big boys that I talked about, Gallegos and Helsley, who's been lights out, and Cabrera, you now have Oviedo that can do that. Verhagen's hurt, so Oviedo becomes Verhagen in a lot of ways. Thompson. Um, and you know now Jordan Hicks. So Jordan Hicks could come in in, in e- either situation and put a fire out for you. That's really important. Thanks, Marty, for the call. We appreciate it. Let's uh, go to Bob calling from Danville. Go ahead, Bob. You're on with Tom Ackerman. Hi. How are you? Good. Good. Hello. Yep. Go ahead. Oh, okay. Yeah, I just I wanted to uh, let you know that the national anthem. Uh, at last night's game was provided by the Danville Barbershop Chorus. Oh, great. Um, they yeah, were great. They've been going down over oh, four or five years and interrupted by one year for COVID once a, once a year. Uh, Are you in and it? This was, by the way, this was this was the first Cubs victory in, um, in the years we've been going. <laughs> um, the, the club is about 50-50 divided uh, with the odd Sox fan here that that uh, roots for the Cardinals when uh, when we're in push. And frankly, so uh, are you uh, in the bar? Are you in it? Yes. Yeah. I. Oh, uh, they great. they put me in. They put they put me in the back row. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I was sitting but on I, the first I, baseline. I was sitting. I was sitting right behind. Uh, you know, about sixteen rows or so behind the Cardinals dugout and. When you guys came walking down the line, I'm like, "Look at these guys! What do we got here?" And then uh, I saw <laughs> yeah. you. I saw you assemble uh, behind home plate, and it was wonderful. In fact, my buddy that I was talking about, he's from Evansville. He he looked at me after the anthem. He said, "Well, that was good." I'm like, "Yeah, absolutely." I got a great picture of it actually, uh, of all of yeah. you behind home plate in the backdrop. It was great. Sure. Well, and and it's it's a lot of fun. We got I think we got all the words right and. Um, um, and we're uh, we're more or less on pitch, and so and it's a great experience. We love uh, uh, we love going every year. Uh, so 
Yeah, and and by the way, there was a very I've forgotten where they're from, but very good um, uh, grade school children's choir saying "God Bless America" before that. So it's uh, yes, they did. Uh, the Cardinals Cardinals do that very very well. I was happy to be there. Hey Bob, thanks well, for the I'm call. Glad you were there. Yeah, appreciate that. Yeah, it was, absolutely. It, it was a neat opening. Uh, yesterday was very. Uh, very nice. They did a wonderful job with everything before the game. And being more or less on pitch is not a bad way to be. Right? <laughs> <laughs> At least they were on pitch, right? <laughs> if the Cardinals weren't. <laughs> That's right. A good crowd, though. Sold out last night. Is uh, you expecting the same kind of crowds? I'm, I'll be down on uh, Sunday for the uh, Sunday afternoon game, but is it pretty much sold out all weekend? Yeah, it's going to be big all weekend. They had 46-5 last night. Uh, place holds about you know, upper forty-seven thousand. I'm sure they could squeeze about forty-eight thousand in their capacity. But yeah, it was it was packed yesterday, and uh, a crowd that really just needed something to cheer for. They never really got going. You know, the the the, the uh, Kyle Hendricks effect on the crowd, just keeping them quiet. But you know, we'll see if that changes today. Today, if you are going to the game, just keep in mind that it is going to be hot. I mean, right now, as I sit here in St. Louis, we have a little bit of cloud cover. But we're talking about a 115 game in extreme heat. So just remember that beer does not hydrate you. You need <laughs> some water. <laughs> and uh, make make sure you mix a little water with the beer because it, it is really, really hot here today. But the, for the game you're going to, Steve, on Sunday, we're supposed to get some thunderstorms tonight, and that's really going to cool things off. I think we're like low to mid-80s on Sunday and the same thing here on Monday. Cardinals have the Marlins uh, for the rest of the homestand. Great stuff, Tom. Always good to catch up with you. Thanks for your time. I appreciate it, guys. Thank you. Thank you. you. Tom Ackerman, sports director at KMOX in St. Louis, a longtime friend of this particular program and others here on uh, News Talk 1400. It is moving up on 1020. We'll take a break. Keep the phone lines open after this. Stay with us. If you tried to watch the Cardinals-Cubs game last night, no matter who you were rooting for, you had a hard time finding it probably. It was one of those Major League Baseball games that was streamed on Explain Apple TV. Explain how we, how we get them, Steve. Well, they're hard to get, for one thing, but uh, Apple TV is uh, the uh, streaming service that had it last night. I, I got it on my laptop, but uh, and it was free, a little bit difficult to get, but... Uh, I think a lot of the question is, number one, I I know why, I get why they're streaming games. They're trying to find a new audience to watch Major League Baseball. However, I don't think that the regular television viewers should be penalized while they're doing that. <laughs> you can stream it anyway, right? Go ahead and stream it, but don't take it away from the networks that, over, that have every other game. You, you think that... Um you think streaming is something that's coming, or, or uh, not for you and me, perhaps, but for younger people, yes, it is coming. Okay. But again, I'm all for that. But I don't think you have to black out everything else to to exclusively stream a game. And they've got it's not done on every single game, obviously, but they've got games that uh, not. A, this is about the third time it's happened to the Cardinals, mm-hmm. and probably the same with the Cubs, and it happens to other. Uh, markets as well so uh, that's just my opinion on that but in order to get an apple you have to know your apple id right yes (laughs) 
And I took a good guess at mine, and I got it right. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm an Apple guy, but uh, it is free, um, at least on Apple TV. They don't ask you to sign up for a subscription, but you do have to put in your Apple ID. And if you know what that is for your phone or your laptop, or you can get it. I did not listen to the commentary. They had the the gal whose name I, I don't remember at the moment, but she's the Baltimore Orioles main announcer of television. But she's doing that game last night. I did not listen, not because I didn't want to listen to her. I just was watching something on regular TV with my laptop on the uh, on the game with the sound down. Um, we had some complaints about the announcers, but that's a whole different thing. When you get announcers coming in to do a ball game and, and that's not normally something they cover, it's not the same as listening to the people that you want to listen to every, every game. And there was another uh, text along the same lines after watching the ball game, this texture says, I'm convinced for the need of an electronic strike zone after watching uh, Hendricks awarded some of those uh, strikes off the plate. Yeah, well, I think it's coming It's not just year. Hendricks. It's not I mean, just, it's been frustrating for everybody really for years. Is. And I, I, I think the, the amazing part to me is how well pitchers – who can see where they have thrown the ball and think it's just how how well they? I mean, you don't see them coming down and yelling at the umpire or anything like that. I mean, everybody's come to accept the fact that boy, they're going to miss a whole bunch of them, and I got to live with that, and I can't let them affect the next pitch. You see a lot of them kind of. I mean, I I see it all the time. Or you know, the managers complain, but you don't see the pitchers complain. Yeah, and I don't know what's worse the the, the ones they miss. Out of the strike zone are the ones they missed that are actually in the strike zone. You know, it's probably 50-50, but... Um, well, somebody kept a record of it last year and actually came up with the... Thou- it was in the thousands, as you might imagine, multiple thousands of how many pitches were missed based on the quadrangle. And the only thing I've got to say about the quadrangle, I, I still don't know if, if the height is right. Because it looks to me like that triangle is about the same every time. Well, when you got a six foot eight guy like Judge, for instance, I don't know how tall he is, but he's he's tall, and you got a little short guy coming up. I mean, that 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 triangle has to be a, a different size. I'm not triangle; it's a quadrangle. Yeah. And and uh, so I, it's going to be there's going to be some complaints next year, even though it's going to be electronically done. So what do you think about that? I want it. Do you? I mean, if umpires are missing too many. I mean, don't you t- – you, you see the ball come in and it misses the plate by a, an inch or two, and you think, oh, boy, I wonder if the umpire is going to call that right or not. Are you getting away – I'm not disagreeing with you, but just for the sake of conversation, are you getting away from the human The human element? aspect, <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, players make, make we mistakes, got, right? We got away from the human aspect sliding into second. They go back True. and look at it, you know. If they, if you think it's close, so you can go back and look. I saw I saw two player, I saw a Donovan. I think had two calls on consecutive first base and second base the other day for the Cardinals. He was safe at first after he was called out. He's called safe at second, and he, and he let's see, he was called. He was called out at first, and he was safe. He was called safe at second, and he was out. <laughs> yeah. After they after they looked at both of them. Well. As far as looking at things, uh, um, we're on that same line there. If you're going to have replay, have it. I, I don't like 
Well, they can't replay that one. They can't look at that particular play. Yeah. If you got it, use it. If you don't, don't. But uh, that's just where we're at, I guess, today. today's baseball. But the electronics strike zone may be coming, and uh, there, there have been times when I'm, I'm yelling at the TV, what was the matter with that? <laughs> you know? Yeah. Well, a pitch that was, well, the catcher didn't catch it, but okay, so he missed. He didn't catch it, but it was right down the middle. <laughs> Does he have to catch it for it to be a strike? No. <laughs> exactly. No. <laughs> 10.28 is the time. We'll take a time out here as we approach the bottom of the hour and be back with the final half hour of Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk after this. It is 10.30, Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk. This is Steve Kelly along with Lauren Tate. We're with you until 11. Phone line open, 217-356-9397. Let's go out east. To Pennsylvania, David Jones from PennLive.com, who covers Penn State, is with us. Good morning, David. How are you doing this morning? <clears throat> Say that again. I missed you. I had you potted down. Say it again. I said, where's the big boy? He's right here. <laughs> He's I'm <there>. hanging out. <laughs> he lets me do, in the, do the talking in and out of the breaks, and he, he handles everything else almost. <laughs> what the hell's up with that? He's the big man. He's the big <laughs> Don't be doing this. Don't be doing this, David. You're getting me in trouble. Hey, I, I was just uh, astounded by your article on the, on the LIV golf, and I just want you to make some comments about it. I thought your writing on that uh, – was sensational. Of course, you have some background there, which uh, most people don't have. But uh, your take on that whole thing with the the semi-breakup of the PGA here. Well, what do you think? I'm curious what you think. I don't have – you probably have more background than I do. Well, I think Corey, Corey uh, McElroy said it best. Why didn't you join? He says, because it's not the right thing to do. I think that says well, a lot of it right there. What do you think? I, I don't know. I don't know. This is the way I see it. All of us, and I probably didn't put this in the column. I don't know if I did or not. That was about a week and a half ago, right? Yeah. And um, they all run together, Lauren. They all run together at my age. Um, I, I, I think we're all susceptible to money mm-hmm. and that kind of amount. Uh, the, the thing is, some of these guys are already making sixty, seventy million, and the PGA got them there. Now they can say they're not loyal to the PGA because they're essentially free agents. I've heard that argument, and the PGA does nothing for them except require them to be here and do that, and they really can't be free agents. Well, you know what? It's a structure. It is a structure that you agree to, but you don't have to be in it. They could be in the European tour. They could be wherever they want. They chose that. It's made them a lot of money. It's made them enough money that they don't have to make decisions the way the rest of us do. And really, that's something that people who make that kind of money never understand, even though a lot of them are nouveau riche dopes. And, and so, so many of those guys are. Um, they never made that kind of money before. Now, people like Phil Mickelson, they came from San Diego. They came from money. So they've always felt that way. They've always thought that way. They've never known how the rest of us live. But once you make that kind of money, once you're making eight figures for a while, it becomes ingrained in you, this attitude that anything I do is okay. You become enabled in that way. And that's the way these guys are. So good for Rory, um, I suppose, 
to me, all he's doing is what he said he's doing. He's trying to do the right thing. Because this is blood money. Mm-hmm. It's, 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 it's worse blood money than a lot that's out there. And there's a lot of bad blood money. The, the money that the NBA takes from a dictatorship in China, a ruthless dictatorship, the, the, the money that, that a lot of sports entities take from a lot of bad guys. The, the, well, uh, well the, let me ask the, you this. How is, it di- how is it different from the U.S. taking oil from Saudi Arabia? I mean, this is money from Saudi Arabia that we're talking about. How does it differ? How does it differ from the— It's not uh, different. It's not, it's not different than America fighting a war over oil, which is what the Gulf Wars were. They were to free the Iraqis. There was no—that that had, had nothing to do with it. My wife comes from a family uh, whose—her uh, father was a Christian, a Chaldean Christian who grew up in Iraq. I mean, I know about that war. It had nothing to do with freeing the Iraqis. It's total BS. It was about oil and Israel. And those were what the decisions were made for. So it's not different. This is just uh, dirty in a different way because Khashoggi, the the journalist in in Washington, was killed by this this son of a bitch, this, this guy in... This, this guy is going to be king. He's prince now in Salman. And everyone knows it. Our, our intelligence knows it. it, it's, it, it this was a free journalist for the Washington Post trying to cover this sinister society, and it is. And you should be drawing a line at, at these guys now, just like you should be drawing a line at Putin or China. Um, that's my opinion. So I guess it's Rory's too. That's all. Well, every four years we run against the Chinese and the Russians, <laughs> at least if they, unless they've been taking too many uh, uh, illegal drugs <laughs> that get, get them banned. Well, now we're paying, you know, now we're paying for being in bed with Russian oil because all of Europe is, all of Europe was, and you know, the guy's a crazy man. Well, David, we got to get back There's to sports here. I, I don't want to go too far off off, off base, but okay. I want to talk about Penn State and and where do you see the Big Ten going <laughs> in terms? We're, we're going to talk. We're going to talk football here, and we're going to talk There's divisions a, and alignment right. and and Penn State and where. <laughs> what do you think? There's a right angle turn, Lauren. <laughs> well, I, think about Penn State football. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, what do you want to know? Well, I'm I'm talking about alignment and and where do you think uh, the uh, the league is going to go in terms of uh, of a division or no divisions and and uh, you know I, I I think I think everyone has to prepare for the expansion of the college football playoff, right? Even though it's not imminent because they can't agree on the structure because there's this tiff now between the uh, collective of the ACC, Pac-12, and Big Ten and the others. And that's really just what it is. It's a tiff. That thing is going to be expanded. I think it's probably going to be 12, but it could be eight. At any rate, you have to, you're going to have another week that is taken up by postseason football in a structure trying to determine the champion. And you can't have your conference your division champions playing a, a meaningless game i mean it really is meaningless 
I used to, I, I did like the division structure because I thought it gave the league a personality. I like the fact that uh, we go out west less often and it's more interesting. And I don't know. I don't know if I'd use exotic around uh, Lafayette and Champaign, but you know what I mean. It's, it's, it, we don't get to see you guys so often. And when, you, when we do, when you go out to Iowa, it's kind of special. And that area of the country is different than this area of the country. Uh, I think everyone, I always thought it should be a lakes and plains uh, sort of um, divisional setup so that Ohio State was, uh, Ohio State was in the west because it's more cornfields. And then, then, then you'd have the lakes. It would be kind of a northeast-southwest setup because that's really where the, div, the divisional, the populations are different. Like we should be in with Chicago and Detroit. So Michigan, Michigan State, northwestern Wisconsin, those lake schools in the north and northeast. And then you guys would have Ohio State, and it would be more equitable. It would be more even, and it would be more interesting. You'd have – Ohio State and Michigan in different divisions, they'd play each other every year because they want to, and there would be uh, common opponents every year for rivalries. But I always thought that should be lakes and plains should have been the setup. Anyway, it's going to go away because they need an extra week. And that's okay. Uh, I have no doubt that it's going to go away, and the champion will be the champion because this the college football playoff as it's going to be is going to be a huge huge money maker i mean it's we've we've been ready to replace the second tier bowls with these games for a long time they will take part in it uh but i think the first round is definitely going to be school sites don't you mm-hmm. i think that's the strength of it i well you said second tier i think the the first games that will be played will be among the eight schools, not among the top four, and there'll be four games played on campuses right, and wherever right, the, right, by, right. the the top four teams would get buys. Right. Well, that seems to be the way to go. And won't that be great if one of those higher seeds is a northern school? Yeah. I mean, how uh, great will that be? Yeah. Because they get a home game in the cold. Absolutely. One of these southern schools that never has to come north. They <laughs> never come north in, in December or January, ever. They've never had to do that. I mean, we see what happens in the NFL playoffs when a warm weather, I mean, all the, back, all the way back to when we were in high school, you know, or at least I was in high school. You, you were married with kids. but <laughs> <laughs> Probably, yes. <laughs> well, I'm thinking back. You remember when the Rams came to, to Minneapolis and had to play the Vikings? in like 1969 with Roman Gabriel. And the Rams were really good, but they had to deal with that weather, and the Vikings won, won the game 23-20, to 20 and they went to the Super Bowl. Of course, the Chiefs beat them up, but it was hard going north from a warm-weather locale in December and January. It's, it's no fun, and it's something they've never had to deal with ever because of the bowl system. So won't that be great? Well, I think that's the strength of it, don't you, Steve? I mean, I, the, don't you like games on campus? Um, and, uh, one, it would give you a team like Illinois. For example, we're looking for something here where Illinois can get back in the game, and they've, they've got a shot. Maybe it's a long shot, but at least a shot 
to play a home game someday in the playoffs. Wouldn't that that'd be a, that'd be a amazing. We'd never forget it. Yeah, I agree. Talking to David Jones out in uh, Pennsylvania. How are the uh, Penn State coaches in football and basketball dealing with the uh, transfer portal? Well, uh, Penn State, the football, football's dealing with it okay. Uh, I think NIL is a much, much bigger thing right now. NIL affects everything. And I don't know that Penn State has dealt with NIL that great so far. You have to pretty much have to build a consortium among your donors Mm -hmm. to fund recruits. And instead of all this money going to ridiculous uh, backlit, uh, moodlit smoothie bars and ridiculous facilities. It's going right into the pockets of the families of players, many of whom really need it, which I think is awesome. It's great. Now, if you want to say they're recruiting kids with money, yeah, so be it. What happens in baseball? What happens in basketball? What happens in all sports except football? Why is that? Why is it it can happen in hockey and baseball, but it can't happen in football, does anyone explain that to me? I mean, you don't have to, you don't have to go to college at all if you want to. Remember David Clyde pitching for the Rangers at eighteen? Yeah. I mean, you can take a bonus and just go straight to the league. Why does anyone have a problem with this happening in I, football? I, I think it's, it has to, to do with the, uh, the 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 physical aspect of the game that is too much for people at the, you know to have grown men uh, playing. 18-year-olds in, in football. I guess that's the reason, don't you think? Yeah, well, it is the reason. So they built up this this fallacy that the players in college were not really employees when they were. And Brett Kavanaugh pretty much put that to rest and bombed the entire premise uh, last year, and here we are. Um, and it's the right thing to do. So the, 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 what has always happened is that money finds its way to these families one way or another. Now it's over the table. It's over the table. And instead of money going to nameless suits and athletic directors and facilities, it's going to people. Why is that bad? I don't know why that's bad. It's always going to people in some respects. Now it just is the truth. It represents the truth of what has always happened. So anyway, you have to build consortiums and donors. And Ryan Day wasn't fooling around, of course, a few weeks ago. He said, we need 11 million. <laughs> what did he say, 11 million or 13 million? Yeah, no, I think it's 13. <laughs> that, yeah. I and, think he spoke he, out of turn. Not- <laughs> <laughs> I, don't think, I don't think he did. He's well, telling the truth. Well, he's that's right. He's telling the truth out loud. Yeah, he's telling the truth out loud, which I'm always in favor of. That's one and of those things that if, if, if he had put it on a computer, he would have taken it off the next day. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if he would have. Well, yeah, he has regretted it, yeah. I mean, whether or not why he should. Never, why, why not tell the truth well, always? That's, that's right. If, if the truth is the truth, and that is the truth. That's what everyone's going to have to do. But in some ways, it will benefit I think schools with bigger urban, you know, Illinois might be out in the, in the cornfield, but it's got some pretty serious alumni. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a really good school. 
and people might not know that. I mean, the fifth guide to colleges, I think it's a five-star school. It used to be. Mm-hmm. Uh, Roger Ebert, well, all sorts of people went to Illinois who, who have influence and have made a lot of money. That can help any football program now. You don't have to depend on the sexiness of your locker room. <laughs> you, 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 you write a check, and if these kids are getting it in high school, so be it. It's what they've always done in baseball and hockey and other sports. Now they're just doing it for college football. Uh, I don't understand what, what everyone – everyone thinks this is going to ruin the sport. Uh, baloney. Uh, it's, anyway, you're going to have to do it, and I think it could benefit a lot of schools that have not had great football. Let's say UCLA. Uh, it's always been USC's stepchild out in L.A. Think of the great alumni who have so much influence and power in Los Angeles who went to UCLA from their film school. All you have to do is gather those guys. They're worth hundreds of millions. A couple million is a drop in the bucket for those guys. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, UCLA can have a viable football program. It's working at same, Oregon. Same with, <laughs> yeah, well, same with Oregon already had that sugar daddy in Phil Knight. Yeah. It wasn't the venue. It was just that they happened to have that guy. He used to have to put it in facilities. Now he can put it directly behind the players. Um, I'm looking at other places like UNLV. UNLV has some pretty serious alumni with a lot of money. What if what if the Pac-12 decided to expand there because they'd start developing facilities that, that – and, and have a consortium of guys who attract serious players. I mean, if Deion Sanders can do it uh, at a historical, historically black college, why can't some, some school like that do it in a big, powerful urban area with a lot of powerful alumni? It, it opens up all sorts of possibilities. Northwestern might be a destination for some of these kids uh, because think of all the alumni it has. And, and Stanford, Stanford's always been a pretty good football school. Vanderbilt, Vanderbilt could completely turn around. It's in a big cosmopolitan city in Nashville. It's it's the Yale of the South. It's got all sorts of alumni if they got behind um, a consortium to fund players. Vanderbilt could all of a sudden be a force in that league. That's what Nick Saban's afraid of. Nick Saban doesn't want any part of this. And this is why. Yeah. Well, listen, uh, David, what are you working on this week? Uh, what, what's your next column going to be? Oh, I live hand to mouth this time of year, Lauren, don't you? I mean, I, I, can't, I can't get that interested in baseball anymore the yeah. way it is. I tried to watch the Phillies last night. It's, it takes three hours and 20 minutes to play a one nothing game. I'm sorry. It's just... yeah. I'm going to take a couple of weeks off. That's what I'm going to do. Good, good. Well, yeah. because it's a good time to do it. Yeah. Well, we've uh, been all around the uh, we've been all around the circle today, and uh, we enjoy talking to you because we like your opinions and appreciate it. And we're going to call you again one of these days, really soon. All right, I'm going to do a Barry Switzer here. He did this uh, one time when I was talking to him. He goes, <laughs> he told me to say hi to Joe Paterno's wife. He, she said. She's a good old girl. You, you say out of that suit. So I'm, 
Lex, I'm going to do this to you. Say hi to Lex for me. Okay? I'll do that, and I'm sure she's listening. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that was, a, that, by the way, that was another great article you wrote about Penn State coming in the Big oh, Ten okay. and Eikenberry's involvement. Now that was a since you you've really written some good stuff. You should try writing more often. <laughs> <laughs> I write a lot. I'm not like often enough. That's what they say. But Lex, you and Lex were the seed of that whole thing. Well, thanks I mean, a I lot, called, David. You helped. You really helped. Yeah, all those contacts. That was that was a lot of fun to write. We appreciate it. Thanks for your time, David. See you, Steve. See you guys. You bet. David Jones from uh, PennLive.com. You can follow him there. We've got Jeff in Mount Vernon who's been hanging on for a bit. Said he wanted to make a comment about the Cardinal game last night. Go ahead, Jeff. Uh, yeah, uh, Lauren and Steve, this is a uh, hack. I've moved over to Creve Core now, but, but uh, just a comment that, that Ackerman had about uh, clarity. Uh, I'm not sold on him yet. Uh, his uh, mental attitude on the mound, his facial expressions, his immaturity, I think, really shows. And uh, I'm not sure, as I hear it on the street down here, and I get to some games, and some guys that know, I'm not sure about his clubhouse demeanor. Uh, but I hope I'm wrong. Uh, the last thing, uh, he's sometimes referred to down here as the Colon Kaepernick of the Major League Baseball. Now, that's a that's a pretty bold statement after his activism down in Tampa Bay and his antics uh, inscribing in the mound last year. Uh, I hope I'm wrong, but uh, I've seen Harvard Westlake play many a time because my grandson played in Orange County. And uh, those guys come out of there with pretty big egos out of high school. But uh, just a comment on that, uh, uh, that may be food for thought. It's not a worrying thing, but somebody's got to get a hold of him and straighten that mental attitude out, I think. That facial expressions and his body demeanor on the mound just, it just is super bad. I've noticed that, too. I can't disagree with you on that. I'd, I'd like to see uh, a little more maturity out of him, perhaps, and uh, a little more effectiveness along the way. Hopefully that'll come. I'll get a chance to see him pitch tomorrow and uh, – Maybe, yeah. maybe I could put the uh, the stink eye on him from the <laughs> <laughs> and yeah. get get him turned around. <laughs> uh, and and for Lauren, I I didn't make it up to the orchards with when uh, Mark was in town. Thunder was there at the breakfast and or at the luncheon with the guys, but I just couldn't make it up from here. But uh, that's about it. Other than uh, I guess we're getting some rain up the farm at Forest, Illinois, which we all need. Well, we sure need a little rain now, don't we, for the farmers? Well, Yeah, we're off to a good start if we can just keep them going and get a little rain. Yeah, but uh, go Illini and Lauren, it's good to always talk to you and uh, Steve, you too. You guys have a great one and and get it through. Thank you. Thanks a lot. We appreciate you hanging on and uh, talking with us on the phone. It is 1040, 1052, I'm sorry. And uh, by the way, Game Day Spirit, your Illini fan store, has a customer appreciation weekend going as we speak, 20% off. Your online order, all you do is go uh, to uh, IlliniGameDay.com, GameDaySpirit.com, and it's Customer Appreciation Weekend 2022. They're thanking uh, you, their fans, for supporting the Finding Illini. This weekend only, you can use the promo code THANKYOU at the checkout to receive 20% off your entire purchase. It's an online offer only that is only available this weekend. So shop now to get great deals on your favorite gear at gamedayspirit.com. Use the promo code 
thank you this weekend only for 20% off. It is 1053. We'll take our final break and be back with more after this. Stay with us. Mike Mary and his team at the Pella Window and Door Store want to thank you for what's been an incredible year so far. Looking for the right window and door for your next project from replacement, remodeling, or new construction? Go see them now. If you got a project later this year or into 2022, now is the time to start the conversation. The Pella Window and Door Store, easy to find, 1001 North Country Fair Drive in Champaign, or visit them online PellaofChampagne.com. Got a couple of minutes left here on this edition of My Life Pella Saturday Sports Talk. Let's take uh, one more call. Rich is on the air with us. Go ahead, Rich. Uh, Steve, uh, congratulations to you on your hole in one. <laughs> Number two at Savoy. Is that right? Yeah, close that my was eyes. Wonderful. Closed my eyes, Rich, and just took a swing at it. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's wonderful. That's wonderful. How many did you, you know, have in your things come in bunches now? So oh, keep hanging in there. You may have two or three more of those. How many did you have, Rich? Uh, well, uh, seven. <laughs> oh my lord, <laughs> Lord, I can't put ours together that's to a get lot. seven. That's a lot. <laughs> seven. Woo. Yeah, I did. Well, Rich, that's like great. I said, it was after I retired from teaching and coaching, I was on the golf course every day, and um, uh, I played a lot of golf before that, but never did ever have a hole in one. And then I had uh, I had two of them one week oh, on number eighteen and number two. <laughs> anyway. Uh, you know, it's a matter of luck, let me tell you. <laughs> That's right. Hey, Rich, thanks. I appreciate the call. Okay. Congratulations, Steve. Thank you. That's Rich Woolley, former Central football coach. He had seven. Seven of them out there. Used to see him out there every day. Yes, sir. Mr. Tate, what are you going to do today? Are you going to watch some golf? Yeah, I'm going to watch a little golf, watch a little baseball. Yeah. I'm just going to be lazy this afternoon, I think. I mean, I'm... I don't know. I don't know what I'm going to do. Maybe we'll get some rain. I don't, I don't need to mow the grass. That's usually one of my Saturday <laughs> things. I haven't mowed it in a couple of weeks we now. we got a lot of clouds out here. We are out of time on WDWS Champaign-Urbana. For Lauren Tate, I'm Steve Kelly. Thanks to Dave Leak as well. Thank you for listening, and have a good weekend, everybody.